It was the year of fans. The year of newbies. The year we reviewed the show with love. It was the year of predictions. The year of great feedback. The year of puns. And the year of memes. It was a new season. It was a podcast of future history. It was the year absolutely nothing changed. The year is 2015. The show down below hello, hello again everyone welcome to down below a babylon 5 intro cast i'm will i'm in on location <laughs> i'm mighty and i'm beth well hopefully our guests will join us in progress i didn't follow up with her and yeah, usually <laughs> i guess i just a lot of times i kind of hope people remember and i didn't think to follow up with her so maybe she'll was this her know. first choice yeah interesting I really want to know why. We'll we'll get into it later, but it could be the Garibaldi stuff, the, um, sorry, I should say the Jakarta. I was going to say the Garibaldi stuff, like the one thing. The one minute? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the two minutes, or a minute of Garibaldi. Why would you think that an episode with Garibaldi in the name would, you know, have Garibaldi in it? Yeah, why I know. You? We were Becky our predictions last week. I was like, "There's not a lot of Garibaldi in this episode." <laughs> it's all it's all Garibaldi. <laughs> um, nope, not at all. So uh, today we're here to discuss episode two of season four. Whatever happened to Mister Garibaldi? But first, here's a word from the ISN Underground. I am here with your ISN Underground Report. This week on Babylon 5, the staff try to reorganize after Captain Sheridan's possible death. Dr. Franklin was given the job of cleaning out the captain's quarters. Soon after, Delenn has announced an attack will take place on Zaha Doom in the next seven days. Citizen Jakar has left the station. Rumor has it, he has gone in search of the missing Mr. Garibaldi. We will keep you updated. This has been your ISN Underground Report. It's science, bitch. Hello! Hey. I'm Tom. And I'm Matt. And this is It's Science, bitch, or a promo for It's Science, bitch, anyway. We pretty much talk about science and pop culture and what have you in a kind of funny way. If it's GT and can be linked to science, we'll find a way to get it in there. So you can listen to us on iTunes, where most podcasts live, Stitcher, TuneIn, and you can find us on Twitter at BinaryWomb. Yeah, that's about it. That's about it. Give us a listen. It's science, bitch. Whatever Happened to Mr. Garibaldi originally aired November 11, 1996. It's directed by Kevin James Dobson. He's an Australian guy. He directed episodes of a Tarzan show and oh. a show called Don't Blame the Koalas. Wow. <laughs> and it was written by JMS. If you hear chewing noises, it's because I'm eating berries now. <laughs> <laughs> if you hear snoring noises, because I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, my qualities because I'm on Skype. <laughs> well, of course, I'm always on Skype, but I'm on my phone this time. And in the coffee shop. Yeah, that too. So let's get started with the recap. Oh yeah, so I did get to meet Walter Koenig very briefly. 
Well, I didn't really meet him because it was a dual um, photo op with him and Nichelle Nichols. And when it was my turn to get in line, the lady next to me started to go because she was one behind me. And they're like, what? her husband was like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. And then when he said that Walter Koenig looked over like directly at me and it was kind of, now I'm not nervous around celebrities, but the way he looked at me, it was kind of like He was reading terrifying. your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I kind of got the impression that he was really tired and wanted to go. <laughs> that and so maybe channeling a bit better at you. Yeah, but it was, I think he was trying to look just to see what was going on while somebody was yelling, like, no, wait, wait, wait. And they had told me, this is the first time I've ever been told this, but they said, you know, don't touch them unless they touch you. Yeah, I've heard that from quite a few of them, actually. It's interesting. It's like a zoo. Like, no handshakes, <laughs> no hugs, don't touch them. Okay. But then some of them end up, like... They said that with Ian Summerholder, and I just had my picture taken with him, and he like totally hugged me. So, oh, I love Ian Summerholder and Chris yeah. Evans too. I was jealous of your Chris Evans picture. Uh, yeah, yeah, because he doesn't do conventions like other yeah, than San Diego. Yeah. So, and yeah, when I went to stand behind them, Michelle Nichols said hi, and she, you know, had her hand up in the live long and prosper gesture. Nice. And then they took the picture and she said, thank you. And I said, oh, thank you. And that was it. <laughs> well, Walter Koenig was at uh, Salt Lake Comic Con too, but I steered clear because who knows when you'll be spoiled. <laughs> uh, you don't want the Xander effect. Exactly. I missed their panel. I was kind of mad that I missed their panel. But maybe it's on YouTube somewhere. Who knows? But, um... I did walk by, I did say on Twitter, I walked by Brandon Rouse's table, and that man is just gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. Mm -hmm. He was next to my new Bennett, who's not so bad himself. Oh, no. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, he is great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he actually, um, at Salt Lake Comic Con, we broke the world record for the most people dressed up like superheroes in one place, and he came out with his eye patch on, on so oh. he dressed up too. <laughs> so next time maybe I'll. I kind of I wanted to limit myself from spending this time, so I stuck to a budget. And what I didn't spend on, you know, that one picture I got out spent on um, artwork. There's this local Portland. Um, there's a local Portland artist who I follow on Twitter. Um, he was there, but I had never met him in person, but I just randomly ran into him at a strip club a couple of nights before. <laughs> he was like, oh, are you coming to Comic-Con? Come by my booth. So I went by his booth. <laughs> working. Oh, 11th Doctor drawing and an Agent Carter drawing. Pretty cool. Strip club networking. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at a strip club. <laughs> 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 Maybe I'll edit that part out. Um... <laughs> um and basically, we just don't want to talk about this episode. So we're talking about conventions instead. It's more, more fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this episode begins with Franklin's personal log. It's January 8, 2261. It's been nine days since the season three finale. I think in the original broadcast, it said 14, but they went back and changed it because it was an error. Yeah, and at this point, watching the episode, my memory tricked me in thinking it was... Uh... Franklin that went along and helped the car out. Oh. Uh, that would have been interesting. 
That would have made it even worse. I know, right? <laughs> so fright. Well, I would not. Yeah, I want to see the, no. the doctor's fighting skills. <laughs> um, so Lee's broken up. Everybody's waiting, preparing for the next phase of the war. Um, all he says, all they can do is wait or try to find something useful to do. <laughs> and my notes say this is where Franklin realizes that he's useless. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, Lanier comes in and tells him that there is a problem with Delin. Oh man. So um, Sheridan, we see him being grabbed by some like energy tentacles, and he wakes up and. Oh, we know Lorian watches him dream. It seemed interesting when he was being grabbed by the alien tentacles. Yeah. Like, oh, this could be interesting. Mm-hmm. That brief so, second. So, it's um, weird how when you rewatch a show, how your opinions on different storylines and characters can change. Oh, no. Like, I, don't, oh, no. I don't remember having a problem with Lorian before, but I just wanted him to shut up. Oh, and <laughs> Like, please stop talking. <laughs> you see, when I originally watched this, and uh, for quite a few times, yeah, I thought Lauren was enigmatic and kind of cool. And yeah, I kind of have a similar opinion. Not quite as strong as um, both of you on the commentary, but yeah, it was there. Uh... Oh, I haven't heard the commentary yet. I'll listen to that. Don't time. listen to it. <laughs> please don't. I was like, I was actually. I know people like Lorian. I was actually—I don't usually read like the feedback ahead of time, but I was thinking about going through and taking out all the Lorian quotes just to, so I have to read Ugh. them. <laughs> people like him. Maybe he gets better then. That's the, if I recall correctly, or maybe that was just me that liked him. I was wondering if um, maybe I've had experiences over the past five or six years that made me hate characters like him. Or am I just, do I just don't like listening? <laughs> but I do remember the first time I watched the episode this week in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I'm going to have to summarize this somehow. Maybe that was, maybe that's why I hate <laughs> <it> so <laughs> You were like, and then Lorian says some stuff. Yeah. But he's telling Sheridan he has. Uh, sorry, I was going to say, perhaps it's the um, reading effect and, you know, how he's influenced a lot of storytelling and we've gotten used to these big speeches being condensed down into a sentence. Right. Because I've watched Buffy since I last watched this, I think. And I like the I speeches on Buffy. Uh, yeah, man, I do too. Never mind. I think I watched Buffy before. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, Sheridan says is the first obligation of a pissed prisoner. <laughs> Uh, is to escape, and he talks forever. And talks about how the universe began with a word, and blah blah. And Sheridan's too wrapped Which up. Which I'm going to say, I'll stop you right there, Delorean. The thought came before the word. I think that's just my opinion. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think JMS is saying that, because, you know, based on what Lorian was saying, that Lorian is still trying to figure out exactly what happened. You know, at the beginning, he doesn't even. No, for sure. Like what came first, the thought or the word? Well, I don't know why he's... I mean, I guess he's just appealing to Sheridan's Christian background. Yeah. It's just... And then pontificating from there. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, manipulating him in the way that a forlorn would. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. There's a lot of similarities there. 
Except for he's way more wordy. Yeah. Yes. He is the opposite of a Vorlon in that respect. Get the Vorlons back, please. <laughs> I will take yeah, cryptic kosh any day. <laughs> he's saying that Sheridan's too wrapped up in his question to see the bigger picture. Who are you? And Sheridan's like, how do you know about that? Gosh. And I'm like, because it's the same actor who... <laughs> Who interrogated him? I said, what he was talking about when he said, how do you know about that? I thought he was talking about the whole interrogation thing. No, I thought he uh, was talking about the, well, what he considers a dream at the time. Um, and oh. yeah, it might be more than that. What are you is a better question. He says Sheridan's dead. You know, you haven't eaten. You, there's no blood flowing. You're quite, quite dead. And we get the opening credits. The year of pine. <laughs> and yeah, thanks to Ian for putting together our new opening, which wasn't ready by the when we recorded our last episode. But yeah, I managed to pull something <laughs> together in the end. Um, I'm especially pleased at the very last bit. I think um, we kind of flow together quite well at the end of the year. Nice, cool. So Sheridan thinks this is some kind of trick. He does remember falling a long way, and Norian says everybody hits bottom sooner or later, and if he didn't hit bottom, he's either still falling or he's in between. He says Sheridan's in between seconds, and Sheridan realizes that Lorian is that tentacle thing. Did Lorian show him this because he looked like he kind of focused on Sheridan? Hmm. Did the whole eyes opening up a thing, you know? I'll yeah. look at you intensely until you realize what I'm talking about. I'll put it as thought in your mind. Maybe, I don't know. So, Lorian says that Sheridan is closer. So, just to make sure I understand, what's actually happening is what we saw brief flashes of. Yeah, basically all the stuff that looks like it's in the caverns with Lorian talking to Sheridan is the dream. Mm-hmm. But it's also a psychic conversation. Right. Okay. So Jakar is on some planet somewhere, I guess, or moon. Um, Never do find out where that is. Didn't you say, where did you say it was, uh, Heidi? Mos, Mos Eisley? Oh, yeah, it was Mos Eisley. Yeah, that's, that's where it was. <laughs> or the Maldivarium from um, Current Doctor. Uh, you know the uh, thing at the beginning of the um, ninth series with all the aliens in it. <laughs> it's essentially the same place. Okay. Um, Nettie's coming. She thought I said an hour later, but I said the right time. Anyway, um, yeah, he finds this guy named Isaac who apparently sold part of Garibaldi's abandoned Star Fury and. He knows that he couldn't have found it by accident because it's such a small thing. That was some pretty good detective work there, Jakar. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And we find out later on where Garibaldi's being held, or rather by who. So they planted that evidence. Wait, what? Well, the, the man later on in the prison cell comes in in a Psycop uniform. That was a Psycop uniform? Yeah. yeah, he had the little thing on his uniform. Wow. Oh. Miss that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, car detective. Miss, but yeah, uh, that's who's got Garibaldi. Oh, oh. Well, that's important to know, isn't it? Yeah. 
little details. Hmm. Did you ever see that show, Number One Ladies Detective Agency? I think I saw um, the mini movie or whatever um, that they did. Uh, I think that was actually a um, radio show for a while in, in the UK. Oh, real cool. Yeah. I remember Idris Elba being in one episode, and some, I think some other people I recognize. Where did that come from? Oh, I just made a joke about the Jakar Detective Agency. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, what happened? Where did my that was random. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, so Franklin goes to see Delyn, and she's been fasting. She hasn't drink. Hasn't drank anything for seven days. Yeah, That's crazy. which apparently isn't a problem for Bimbari, but Bimbari. she's part yeah. human. Yeah, she can't. She looks okay though. Yes, yeah, she did. She really did look like haggard and starving. Mm-mm. A good girl for somebody <laughs> to <stop> be eating. <laughs> Her touching her. Girl, what's your secret? <laughs> like you don't have to eat anything for seven days. Mm-hmm. She's blaming herself for Sheridan being gone. Well, she kind of she, admits that you know she kind of thought that Anna might be alive. Yeah, interesting. God. She's heard how people say that Minbari never tell the truth. Blah, blah. And she's going to keep fasting so that if John doesn't come back, her soul will join his in the place where no shadows fall. Okay. <laughs> she's got seven more days for him to come back. And she's hmm. dead. Well, and if time is going to pass this slowly, it's going to take seven more episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, sorry, taking a drink. Um, Hello. Jakar and Marcus are hiding. For some reason, people are still looking for them, which is weird, and that worries Marcus. Marcus with his mom, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Nutty. Hey, Nutty. Hello. Sorry about Hello. that. I screwed up the time conversion. Uh, it's all right. <laughs> Can't we all just be on the same time? I gosh. know. <laughs> um... So we're at um, the Mark. We were doing a Marcus and Jakar scene. Ah, we're in Mos Eisley again. Mos Eisley. Yeah. Um, so, any thoughts on the earlier stuff? Or we've already talked a little bit about Lorianne. What are your thoughts, Luke? Uh You talked a little bit about what? Lorianne. Sorry, I'm um, on my phone in a cafe. No, that's okay. Um, I. I, I, I am not sure what you're referring to, and I feel really bad. <laughs> I just woke up, so give me a second. I'm sorry. Really right. long-winded alien. Oh, oh, is that his name? I didn't know his name. <laughs> <laughs> you, mean, you mean God? Okay. Um, <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 really weird. Um, I, I Number one, I love the makeup. I think that the the makeup for the alien is amazing. But then again, Babylon Five is really good with that. Um, and um, uh, his 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 struggle with uh, uh, with the captain is is interesting. You know, it's you think the entire time you think no 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 you have to resist this guy you have to resist this guy, but then you find no wait a minute <laughs> maybe not. Mm. Um, I feel like it it plays with um, as sci-fi fans what we're expecting the trope to be, and it turns out to be something else. So that's that's my thoughts. 
So I would like to know why you chose this episode. Because I don't know if you've listened to our commentary, but we were less than impressed. <laughs> um, mostly uh, because of the Jakar Marcus bit. That's all I remember. Okay. When I was <laughs> looking over the... Uh, when I was looking over the thing, um, now I'm kind of wishing that I made my second choice, my first <laughs> choice, because yeah. my second choice is like the best. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> this okay. is kind of like a, a joiner episode. It's it's not really it's good in the sense that it's important for the storyline. But as an episode on its own, eh, it's not really, you know, self-contained, something that you can just watch. Um, oh, unless you just watch Jakar and Marcus stuff, because that I love. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's where you jumped in on, I think. Um, well, at least one of the scenes. Mm. Yeah, we skipped the part earlier, accidentally, where Jakar and Marcus got in a fight because of that bar owner when they leave, then... They tell those are Centauri guys. That part. I, <laughs> I mean, it's kind also, of awesome, really, when um, the fight starts. I, yeah, I, 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 I love Jakar. I love Andreas Kasulis is amazing in his portrayal, and there, there's something that I was talking to my husband last night about it. As I'm rewatching this um, with you guys. I'm getting newfound uh, levels of respect and different depths for the characters. And Jakar, he is he is strong, he is powerful, but he's also charismatic, and he always has a bit of flair with the way that he says things and the way that he talks, and the way that he's handling that guy is is just so perfect. And then the other part is, I used to hate Marcus. I used to think that he was such <laughs> a weenie and, and I could uh. not stand him. Now I'm looking at it and I realize Marcus is a lot of fun. Um, because once he starts that, once the fight starts, he's all smiles. He's mm -hmm. like, Oh, this is going to be the best time ever. <laughs> and, and he, and then when you realize like Marcus has this ability to make friends with all of these people that you wouldn't expect him to be able to make friends with. I mean, look at how he's able to uh, make friends with Jakar. And it's always, I'm going to be your friend, whether you want me to or not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I've already had that touchstone with, um, with the guy who thought he was King Arthur. Right. So they're just building on that. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, Marcus is worried, and he came looking for Jakar because he kind of knew Jakar would be in trouble. And they talk about Marcus's pike and Jakar has pikele envy. That is I'm the worst that. best line ever. <laughs> <laughs> so the combination of lines, though, are just so wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and he, um, he keeps looking for, yeah, he's, uh, yeah. Jakar's looking for Garibaldi because he's never had a friend who wasn't a Narn. Oh. Oh, and Marcus has never had a Norn friend. Well, it's his buddy cop heaven, right there. <laughs> it really is a mini buddy cop story. This. So I guess he got rid of Franklin. <laughs> well, and traded in Franklin for Jakar. I, I, I kind of, um, I 
kind of feel bad for Mr. Garibaldi at this point because the only he's missing and the only person that cares is is Jakar. Jakar. Yeah. Like everybody well, else has Zach written as well off. a little bit. Hmm? Zach a little bit as well because he yeah. was worried about him in the last episode. Yeah. But Zach isn't doing anything. <laughs> I mean, Jakar knows that leaving Babylon 5 means risking his freedom. Mm-hmm. He, he has not left Babylon 5 since the takeover of Nari. This is a huge deal. Um, so, uh, you know, the the fact that Jakar is doing this is amazing, but the fact that nobody else cares... I mean, the entire station has written off the captain as dead. It's not like they expect him to come back. They're they're sorting out his clothes and stuff. So why is nobody else wondering... Hmm. Wonder what happened to Mr. Garibaldi. You know? Did they? Yeah. yeah. I mean, just, did they know about that his star fury was found? You think if they knew that, they'd have people investigating? But it's just Jakar. They're not even looking. Even if his star fury wasn't found, you'd think that they'd go looking. They mention in the opening scene, Franklin says that Mr. Garibaldi went missing, and then nobody cares. Everybody's just talking about the captain, and it's like. Okay, I understand, Delenn, you're you're trying to starve yourself and everything, but like now Avada was not even in this episode, right? No. Right. Yeah, she's not to be seen. Are they all assuming that uh Sheridan's dead at this point? That's yeah, my take on after it. Last okay. week, yeah. Because uh Franklin's cleaning out her, her his room. Okay. Yeah. Um so like Ivanova doesn't seem to care. Um <laughs> the the Franklin it's just a blip in his recording and, and he cares more about Delenn grieving. Franklin's useless. <sighs> well, Franklin can help Delenn, I guess is why he's focusing on her. I, I do feel that if, um, if Wanda were on the station, he might've cared. But again, like how sad is that, that nobody on the station, none of the people that work with him, none of the people that, that Michael gave his life for, care that he's gone if Sinclair had yeah, gone back they, he would yeah. he'd be looking for him right mm-hmm. <laughs> True. Oh, yeah. and, and yep. I mean arguably the one other person who is concerned about his disappearance can't really do anything because he's got to do Garibaldi's job for him well and what would he do I mean really yeah. you know yeah. Zach doesn't really have the I don't think the know-how or the means to go out on a hunt in space, yeah. you know? Yeah, he, he doesn't have the contacts. He doesn't have the skills. I mean, really, he's 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 a station guy. Yeah, ooh, I think that can be done. He's Garibaldi said, sorry, um, Jakar sends what he finds back to Zach. Yeah, I bet um, Corwin is, uh, Clarence is looking for Garibaldi That's right what now. I'm saying. That's a novel that's probably oh, that <laughs> be out there. He's nowhere to be seen at the moment, so he's got to be off doing something. Yeah, and you'd think he'd have a bigger job right now because he's probably doing Ivanova's job. Ivanova sent him out to look for Garibaldi. That's my head cannon. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Um, last night, when I was talking to my husband about this episode, um, we I was saying how, you know, like, Sensei, everybody's pretty. And Babylon 5, it's not, everyone's kind of normal. <laughs> and so we were talking about the attractiveness of the various characters. 
And uh, we talked about the women and the way we were talking about the men. And then uh, my husband says, oh, and he goes, what about that blue eyed guy? You know, the guy that's always in ops. I go, oh, you mean mm. Clarence? He goes, is that his name? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, yep. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so the word of Clarence has spread. Thanks to uh, <laughs> the down below podcast. Nice. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, more Clarence, please. So... Yeah, so that bar owner identifies um, Jakar to the Centauri guys. There's a reward for his capture, dead or alive. So what are they doing on this planet anyway? Are they just... Why are they, why are they on this planet? Why are the Centauri people? Yeah, have they occupied this place or... I don't even know well, where it is. I, I just think they're um, Centauri bounty hunters. Oh, uh, okay. They're um, Boba Fett's. Mm, yeah. <laughs> On most Eisley. Okay. I, I don't really know where this planet is. So it's just kind of nebulous. So it it's foreseeable that it could happen. Because they don't really say where he is, right? Yeah, they never do. Mm-mm. I can't wait for Star Wars, you guys. It's Woo-hoo! the day after my birthday. Um, be my- I have a goof, by the way. Sorry, before what? we move on. Um, oh no, we're not at that scene yet. I'm sorry. Go ahead. My bad. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> I thought we were moving on, and I was like, "Wait, wait, wait!" I have a goof. No, I forgot. It's not that scene. Which oh, scene name. is it? Uh, the one where um, with the pike. Was there somebody standing behind Marcus? No, no. Um, oh. In Exogenesis, Marcus has one of his captors open the pike by shaking it. Except here, he has uh, Jakar open it by pressing the large green triangular button. To open it, oh. he upgraded it. <laughs> <laughs> the seven hundred year old Mimbari Pike. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Dylan visits Franklin and Sh- I think they're in Sheridan's quarters. He found a personal log amongst Sheridan's things that he thought Dylan might want to see. It's dated May 14, twenty two sixty, not long after they broke away from Earth. And I wasn't really paying attention to what he was saying. I just noticed that I remember at the end, he's kind of got the hots for Delin. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, who wouldn't? Uh, I noticed <laughs> this time around that this is about the third or fourth time a message has been conveyed to a character through personal log or message that's been left to them. Well, there was, you mean Sinclair sending that thing to Sheridan he, and, he, and Garibaldi. Yeah, um, Anna's message to Sheridan's sister, which Sheridan sees. Uh, oh, there's right. another one mm-hmm. as well. Well, Sheridan left a message when he left for Zaha Doom. That's the other one, yeah. Now, the weird thing about this one is he didn't leave it for Delenn. Franklin was Mr. Creepy, and while he was supposed to be collecting his effects, he was, going, was, through his, yeah. <laughs> yeah. was going through his personal logs. Like, dude. What would have happened if Franklin did some inappropriate touching of Delenn? I think Lanier would have kicked his ass. Yeah. Or Delenn <laughs> would. Yeah. <laughs> Delenn definitely would have. Yeah, I think it would have been Delenn. <laughs> she, she, she is the self-rescuing princess trope, you know? Um... So Marcus is going and found out the uh, that Isaac got the location of Garibaldi's Star Fury from somebody in Interplanetary Expeditions. Yeah, what's and that about? 
again, this is another scene where Marcus is just smiling during his job. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I hope his hair so the- grows out a little bit more. I can't with that haircut. <laughs> it's hard to look at his, his face. So what's the name of the contact? Montagna? He's going to get 10% of the salvage price. Sure. <laughs> J- Jakar, um, Jakar, for some reason, wants to go back to where the Star Fury was found, hoping there might he might find something else. Wasn't it just out in space somewhere? It was too far for Star Fury to be on its own. Yeah. It was near something nebula, or I don't know what it was. was it, didn't they say it was near somewhere? I don't know. Some don't sector, remember. or I don't know. Yeah. It didn't stick. Want, yeah. He wants Marcus to go back to B5 to fi- try to find out who Montaigne is, but Marcus doesn't want to go, but Jakar convinces him to go, and he does. So this isn't the first time Marcus has left somebody and they ended up getting in trouble. Wasn't it like Delenn or mm-hmm. um, some, so somebody? Maybe it was happened more than once where he like left. and You'd think Marcus would know his, by now. Yeah, I think that was his whole problem when... Um, Danem was doing her rebirth ceremony that, you know, he leaves and someone gets in trouble or dies. Yeah. Yeah. So Centauri arrive and they capture Jakar after a gunfight where Jakar gets shot. Mm-hmm. I, I, if it was a fist fight, you know, yeah. he would have taken them all down. <laughs> I, 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 I feel like it was an unfair fight and, and Jakar should be able to handle it better but in truth Jakar is kind of stupid for staying alone hmm. yeah yeah. he's like he wasn't wearing his robe and he had more <laughs> armor on I need to see him cat fight this time <laughs> so back at B5 a bunch a buttload of white stars arrive that's a, like at least three buttloads <laughs> at least three buttloads <laughs> <laughs> You gotta try to nail down how this unit of measurement works. Well, a butt load Depends on whose butt. <laughs> yeah. And what's butt. a mega butt load? Are these metric or imperial butts? Yeah. yeah. These are metric butts. Oh, metric system. So they're so, base 10 butts. Gotcha. Right. No, they'd be main bari, so they'd be base 12 butts. Then they're not metric. Uh, there we go. They're main bari butts. Um, yeah, they're they're Membari buttloads. A little fuzzy on the Membari mass system there. Uh, Delane gives Delen- a speech. Yeah. <laughs> she basically wants to go to Zahadum and attack the shadows to give the league some yeah. confidence. I misquote Sheridan. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to wait seven days to give the ships more of a chance and give more ships a chance to join them and also maybe to give the shadows a chance to find out I guess yeah exactly <laughs> a little more <laughs> yeah and because <laughs> if they go now it kind of messes with the rest of the story JMS is telling yeah is this the first time we've heard that Valen created the rangers or did we hear that before I think you heard that before oh yeah. okay yeah but let's stating it again just in case you had forgotten <laughs> Because didn't didn't they talk about that when they said first Ranger one was Valen? Oh, I don't. Remember. Yeah, yeah. Because you guys talked about how basically Valen was Sheridan, and then Sheridan again. <laughs> Sinclair. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, because there's Valen. Uh, sorry, Sharon, it's Sinclair. Dang it. <laughs> yeah. That's okay, we all did that. That's why I kept saying the yeah. casting, because I knew I was going to screw it up. All right, so... um uh, Valen, then Sheridan, so it's the same guy, and then there was only uh, who is it now? Is it um, Delenn now? Delenn. Delenn, yeah. yeah. And now it's but Delenn. I don't think so Sheridan was ever Ranger 1. I thought he was uh, when he was on Mimbar. Yes, he was. Sinclair. Yeah. What? Sinclair. Yeah. Sinclair. Sinclair, sorry. <laughs> Dang it. That's what I mean. I mean Valen guy. Jeff. Jeff. Yeah, of the hood. <laughs> By the way, like they even have the same initials. Come yeah, on, JMS. <laughs> it's his initials. I'm sure they have M middle name. Oh yeah, that makes sense. I never thought of it that way. Now I'm less mad at him for some reason. Speech. Yeah, speech. So they're going to Zaha doing the wedding seven days. Okay, so um. Londo gets awakened by Minister Varini because uh, the Emperor wants to see him. Londo gets dressed and the Emperor's kind of mad that Londo made him wait. But Again. Londo talks himself out of it. Again, though, Varini has this beautiful uh, way of speaking and just his hand motions in this where, you know, he's talking about the Emperor not revealing his mind and he mimes getting his hat, you know, his hand head chopped off. Yeah, I like oh, Varini. Yeah. Yeah, he's just awesome. He's a cool cat. Yeah, Lando just wanted to present himself properly for the Emperor. So Emperor says he has a gift for Lando and he rings a little bell and it's Jakar. Lando doesn't look too happy about this. Uh, Before that, uh, did you notice that in Lando's explanation for his delay, he says, because I respect your position so much. He didn't say that he respected him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the Emperor asks if Jakar has anything to say. And <laughs> Jakar says, Do you know where Mr. Garibaldi is? <laughs> and Emperor's like, Ooh. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> that was awesome. Should have said stroke off, too. <laughs> <laughs> so then we cut. We finally get to see Mr. Garibaldi. Yeah. He's trapped in his room. Who has never looked handsomer, by the way. Yeah, I noticed he looked reason. different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did it remind anyone of. Bruce Willis and 12 Monkeys. Yes. I had to look it up. Thank you. 12 Monkeys came out a year before. And I swear it was exactly 12 Monkeys. And I know that um, I remember hearing on a commentary one time, uh, Jerry Doyle saying that he was meant to be a Bruce Willis type when he was cast. Okay. So the fact that I was like, dude, this is totally 12 Monkeys was I was like okay that cannot be accidental <laughs> that is total has to be inspired but yeah uh, Jerry Doyle at this point in his life is supposed to be the poor man's uh, Bruce Willis and so him and his. <laughs> being toyed with in this way and having his memory messed up is uh, is is just so funny <laughs> still he manages to rip an arm off a chair yes yes he does yeah. <laughs> uh... Yeah, they think he's being there. Well, they say he's being dishonest, but he says he doesn't remember. And they, he starts destroying. I wanted him to flip a table over, but no, he, he just ripped the arm off, started damaging things, and then some gas comes in and puts him to sleep. And that's and the prisoner. <laughs> the prisoner. Yeah, another prisoner reference. 
Oh, God, I can't remember now. They started the set. They started the episode off the same way. Didn't they with the same questions? Didn't they? But I'm so a free then, man. Yeah. At, at the end of this scene, this this is when the man walks in and you pad up past a psychot badge, and he is wearing a psychot uniform, but it's very difficult to tell. I hope it is very difficult to tell because I definitely couldn't tell. Because yeah. I all I heard was like a voice that sounded like Morden, so my head my head was in mm-hmm. one place. Um, so back on Centauri Prime, Londo goes to visit Jakar, tells him he was foolish to leave B five, which he was. <laughs> he said that if he wanted to die, he would have made sure Jakar died with dignity. But here they're going to torture him. Londo's going through this long explanation of what they're going to do to him. He said he's seen it. I'm like, when did he see this? Was it before he went to B5? Because he hasn't been on Centauri Prime that long, has he? I feel like there's stuff that we haven't seen. Okay. That he's been, while he's been there, he's watched um, Pratage just play with people. Uh, uh, Sounds pretty horrible. It does. And it's quite graphic the way he describes it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty graphic. And Nando says this isn't going to make him happy because Jakar hasn't been his friend, but he doesn't want to see that happen to anyone. But he has an idea of, for Jakar's life. Jakar can help him get rid of the Emperor, and he'll have to watch Jakar suffer, but he won't get any joy out of it. But Jakar's price for his help is that he wants Narn to be free again, and Londo gives his word. And there was a puddle of something in front of Jakar in this scene. I don't um, when Lando walks away, not really sure what it was. Oh. There's something I there's a wet spot on the floor. Well, I mean he maybe who knows how long he was in there. <laughs> yeah. Or who was in there before him. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I, just, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Um But yeah, it request or price for giving his help. It's, you know, interesting, and it plays again on, I think, you know, what he loved from his revelation, you know, someone to be sacrificed if all are to be saved. Yeah. So back on Zahadun, Lorian says he's waiting for someone, and Sheridan's the first one to make it this far. I don't know, I was seeing some speculation that Lorian is the man in between, but I think they are, uh, JMS said it was Justin. Justin, oh god. Maybe he is uh, Justin. <laughs> no, I don't oh. think he is Justin, no, because <laughs> Justin was definitely on the side of the shadows, whereas Lorian described, from the sound of it, he's describing the Volons and the shadows as his children. Yeah, the shadows, um, no, he doesn't like watching his children fight, and the shadows keep coming back to Zahadun because he's there. They think they're showing respect, but they don't understand. They used to a million years ago. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, shut up. Just stop ah. talking. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I, I know what you're talking about. I remember, you know, watching this show through again, but this time it's just cut to the chase, please. Yeah. Um, Gods like to be overly flowery, okay? 
You know, he, he created everything and he's waited forever for somebody to make it that far. He, he's, <laughs> he feels he deserves to wax on poetical for a little bit. Meanwhile, we're all sitting here going, uh-huh, but we haven't been waiting all this time. So come on. No. Yeah. And we don't care. <laughs> just, just, just tell us, okay, you're God. You created us all and you're mad. We're fighting. You want peace. Gotcha. So there's got to be some conflict between him and the Vorlons because they seem to think that they're God. Well, they seem to think that they're, the way that he's talking, they seem to think that they're serving God. That by taking over and, and, and doing all of this stuff, that they're honoring him. And so to me, that's, that's religion, you know? Uh, how often does organized religion, uh, pervert the message that their faith is trying to send them. Mm-hmm. Very true. So I think that that's the message that JMS is trying to say there, that, you know, faith is nice and faith is good, but religion, and, and, and these are my words, not his, but religion can corrupt it. And so, you know, man, we corrupt these great ideas and, and then turn pervert them into completely the opposite of what was intended. You know, like, for instance, when when people have a message of love and then they turn it into hate because, well, you're not living the way that I think is right. So you must not be godly. You know, you must not be uh, spiritual. Man, you got all that. What do you think? Oh, my God. Uh, I wasn't paying attention. I've seen this a few times. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. And I've had time to think about it. <laughs> no, it's good. So he's basically saying he's the first... I don't know, like entity Earth with sentient, sentient being. being. Yeah. Okay, um, if you say so. <laughs> yeah, fact check that. Yeah, it's quite claim, really. <laughs> I prove it now. Um, yeah, uh, Lorian knows that Sheridan has a Vorlon inside of him or a piece of one. <laughs> so, wait, what did uh, you guys think about when you heard that, that you, you, you have a piece of Vorlon in you? I thought that we already kind of knew that. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of like what Lita was saying a little bit um, Mm -hmm. when she was talking to Sheridan. Yeah. She kind of feel kosh, you know, in Mm -hmm. him. Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought this was the bombshell. Yeah. For some reason, watching it now, it seemed like it was obvious a lot sooner. But I think the first time I watched it, I didn't really know. Yeah, yeah. Until, uh, I think maybe because we're doing this show, you're more aware uh, that that's the case. Also, I mean, we didn't. Oh, go ahead. Also, nutty. What I thought was uh, Horcruxes. Yes, totally. I, was, I have in my notes <laughs> yeah, totally Horcruxes. Horcruxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except he didn't have I to mean, kill someone to do it. He, he had to be killed. <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, well, yeah. How many things is uh, J.K. Rowling stole from Babylon Five? <laughs> it's all did she steal any time. actors like she did red dwarf i don't think so don't okay <laughs> um, um but uh although actually did he have to die to put himself into sheridan i think he was putting himself no, into sheridan not. during those classes yeah well, who knows yeah. like who knows well, if there has to be like some special thing you have to do to, in order to yeah. carry a vorlon with you i don't know i always took it as um i always took it as um 
have put part of himself into Sheridan because he, he was dying. It was an emergency thing, but he can do it any time because he used to put him, bits of himself into Lita. That's mm. creepier than Franklin right there. <laughs> the, the sad thing with Lita is like, <laughs> this is going to sound weird. He loves Sheridan. When so when he puts himself into Sheridan, it's like this beautiful thing. And Lita, it's just like, ah, I just need to do this so I can function. Like this is just a a a, a bit of release here. <laughs> like, he doesn't care about her, so she was just basically used. And and it's it's so sad, poor Lita. I never saw it that way, <laughs> but now I will <laughs> forever. I know. I noticed that um, um, Lorian called Kosh an it, and I wrote down two notes yes. from the Lurker's Guide. He did. One thing uh, JMS said was, I think Lorian is beyond concepts of male and female as they pertain to the Vorlons. That's our perception of them, not his. And also he said female is an irrelevant concept to the Vorlons. Mm. Well, we haven't ever seen a female Vorlon, so... <laughs> that we know of. Right. Yeah. Um, I how like could how you just... know? That, well, yeah, I guess it would just be based on the voice is like the only, but uh, way. only based on our interpretation of exactly. male and female voices. That voice is a th- synthetic voice, anyway. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's made by the um, encounter suit. Yeah, but there's so yeah. many species that we've met that can you really tell a gender? Right. Right, and, and I kind of be one like there may not right. even be a difference. I like the idea that there there are species out there that have that are genderless, and I like the idea that there may be species out there that have. I mean, we have more than one gender, but I mean, like more than one fully distinct genders. Um, I think it's Star Trek. I can't remember. Uh, there's, I think it's the. Oh, what's the name of the species? They're all tentacled. They're, they're from the animated series. Anyway, um, hy- hydrants. That's it. The hydrants. Um, cause they're like the guys on the symptoms. Uh, but they're different. Uh, according to the books, in order for them to procreate, you need the three genders to do it. Or, um, like an alien nation. Now, granted, those are two genders. You need three people to procreate as well. And I just, I love the idea of, taking alien species and really making them alien you know like Rondo looks humanoid but he has a sucker he's got a little tentacle you know (laughs) well he's got eight yeah well yeah yeah. sorry six you've got six that that statue is anatomically correct (laughs) (laughs) oh oh, yeah I did like how Kosh I mean not Kosh Lorian just kind of no, I think I met it one time. He didn't have the whole reverence for the Vorlons that we see all the younger races do. Just kind of like, yeah. So yeah, Kosh, I think that Kosh probably knew that Loring would be there. That's why he told Sheridan to jump. And this is where he explains that Vorlons can break off pieces of their consciousness and put it in other people. So he thinks that Kosh and Sheridan are clinging to life and afraid to let go. And... He starts talking a lot here. What does he say? Oh, <laughs> yeah, he can't help his friends unless he, um, what, surrender himself. Or he'll be stuck in between. 
So it starts getting darker and boring and asking if he has anything worth living for. It's easy to find something to die for, but do you have anything worth living for? And Yeah, and now this is the whole point of the, everything that's been leading up so far. And this is why I remember liking Lorianne that, you know, it, it's a fundamental thing to, you know, sacrifice yourself for a noble goal, but it's rarer in fiction to have a hero that's doing something, you know, to live for, you know, something he wants to fight to stay alive for. Lorian's a place in Middle Earth, right? Uh, I think that's Lothlorien. Yeah, that's another, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's a very Lord there's of the three Lorians. Yeah, well, no, there's actually three Lorians in um, J.R.R. Tolkien's uh, work, and Lothlorien's the final one. You've also oh, got okay. Lorien and Dorolin, which was the realm Lothlorien was named after, and then there's oh. basically the shores of Lorien, which is off in the Far East in the Undying Lands, and I think I kind of got the name of it wrong, but yeah. <laughs> Essentially, this is another bit of um, Tolkien's work that JMS has borrowed. So, yeah, if Sheridan falls, Lorien will try to catch him again. He caught him before, and Lorien explains he can't create life, but he can breathe on the embers. That line always sticks in my head for some reason. Um, and then at the end, we see Lorien looking over Sheridan's body, and that's the end of the episode. He looked like evilish at the yeah, end like, there. What's he thinking here? Yeah. Like, oh, I just got him to... I just tricked him. It started getting dark. He did remember Delenn. Yeah, he this. did. So what did you guys That's think his... about the fact that Delenn is his reason for living? <laughs> it's not really unexpected, I guess. That long, long courtship. But did, did you, like, feel that their connection was that strong that for him, living it, for Delenn is more important than living for the universe or his friends or anything else he's been working towards? I guess so. I mean, they've kind of been playing it more intense over the last few episodes. Mm. I, I don't know. I, I guess I wasn't, I just wasn't surprised, you know? Okay. Uh, I, I, I feel like, um, because their courtship takes so long, when we get to this episode and she realizes just how important she is to him, and he realizes just how important she is to him. And, and we are obviously supposed to get that, you know, he's that important to her because she's ready to starve herself over him and be all Queen Amidala, which is just, ugh. <laughs> it's, just, it's like, you know, I mean, come on. Like, you know, John wouldn't want you to starve yourself. He'd want you to keep fighting the fight without him. Um, but she needs that. Yeah. Push. Um, I mean, at but, least she is pushed out of it. At least she, yes, yes. she got a wake up call and she realizes she's got to fight. But, yeah. you know, sacrificing herself isn't something Delenn would do. Yeah. Like, I, I just, but again, I don't, I don't know because I'm thankfully have not been put in that position. Um, but yeah, it just, it just seems so like non Delenn like for her to want to starve herself. But, um, you know, in this episode, we really feel like, okay, this long courtship, this is it. This is, this is like, you know, the one in the mi a million relationship kind of a deal. Yeah. I mean, I think they've been, even before they were like, let's say romantically attached, they had strong friendship mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. feelings to each other. 
Okay. Bill Blair was an alien in this episode again? <laughs> no. Which one? There were so many. Is Bill Blair still with us? I want to meet him one day. I wonder. Why don't you invite him to join us? Yeah. <laughs> Find him on Twitter. Oh, sorry. I can Google him later. <laughs> oh, wait. Here's the... Um, He's been on Star Trek. I probably knew that already. I, I know it's not the same guy, but uh, the first the first name that popped up when I googled Bill Blair was uh, the police chief for Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> Who was wrapped up in the Rob Ford thing. So, I was like, oh, not the right one. <laughs> oh, the cocaine guy? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, the only reason why he's not mayor is he stepped down because he has cancer. Uh, well, I don't know. Doing cocaine, just doing cocaine, make you a bad man. Well, that that's pretty much everybody's point. They're like, <laughs> eh. <No. laughs> at, least, at least he's honest and not using public funds. Like everybody, was, <laughs> it was kind of a non-issue. Um, like right up until he stepped down. I mean, his approval ratings have been the highest of any <laughs> Toronto mayor ever. <laughs> it's like, hey. So yeah. So um good job. Exactly. But mm-hmm. uh apparently um he's he's still working. He was in True Detective last year. Or this year. Really? Yeah. And uh he's playing an alien. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be so good. He was uncredited though, unfortunately. He was the high roller client. Um he has a lot of uncredited so and uh I guess he was on Pretty Little Liars quite a bit. Oh. As different roles. <laughs> uh, he was in Nightcrawler. Was he in Sense8? Because that would no. be brilliant. That oh. would be brilliant, but no. He was in Gone Girl, Argo, and Rotor. See, friends with Ben Affleck, maybe? I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> Can you introduce me to Ben Affleck, Mr. Blair? Mm. In three episodes of Mad Men. Okay. This has been your Bill Blair portion of the podcast. He's played um, Frank Sinatra before, so that's kind of interesting. Okay, so do we have any quotes? (laughs) (laughs) Played the same character on Mad Men in all three episodes. Yeah, that's an achievement. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I'm 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 not going to get this perfect, but. that's a Mimbari fighting pike. It's over 700 years old, and you're just jealous you don't have one. I can't be. <laughs> I love that one. And then Dekar plays it with it for a bit and says, I like it. I like yes, it. that's my other one. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that reaction from him. He's just like, hmm, knocked out a hole in the wall. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Um, I have, there is little more inherently dangerous than an offended Narn. Mmm. Nice. Um, I guess I'll quote Florian. <laughs> Who are you? It's a dangerous question, isn't it? There's never a good answer to it. I suppose that's the point. Hmm. I have, the only one I have is um, Jakar. If you're going to be worried every time the universe doesn't make sense, you'll be worried every moment of every day for the rest of your natural life. That was another one I had. (laughs) I think I had mostly Jakar stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. 
I've got a Veer one. Uh, remember what I said about before about there must be another way? I was wrong. Kill him. And uh, Veer talking about the plan to kill Cartagia. Wait, I think that's a different. Oh, stupid! Episode. Sorry, I know it was like, oh my god, I miss fear. I didn't remember it either. I thought I wasn't paying attention. Uh, this this is off the Babylon Five wiki that I was looking up quotes, and so they are to blame. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Wiki. Bad wiki. Anyway, Veer gets a cool line later. <laughs> um. Oh, here's here's another one. Uh, it's Jakar. Compassion is a rare commodity these days. Mm. So, who is our human of the week? I think that's obvious, isn't it? Marcus? Yeah, Marcus. I'll go for no, Marcus. Marcus. Okay. <laughs> Definitely can't not, have it uh, for that one scene. No, no, no. And it, it's not... Um, <laughs> not the Psychop or whatever. What's his name? Sheridan? Is that the right name? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. He was in that. <laughs> uh, but he's dead, oh, so I'm not sure he can yes. get it. Unfortunately, he, he got dragged down. Yeah, do yeah. dead... Got, do dead characters count? <laughs> oh, because otherwise really. Kodoff. Kodoff would win every time. <laughs> so. We assume that she's... Well, did they say she was dead? She just Actually, we alive. assume that she's alive and floating in space. They, okay. I think dead. <laughs> um, what about Alien of the Week? Jakar. Jakar. Oh, Jakar, definitely. <laughs> Jakar. Not Lori. Not Dele- and not Delenn for starving herself. No. No. Lorian is the worst. <laughs> Can we have worst character? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, and again, um, uh, for the characters that got the least amount of airtime, uh, I'll go, but was pretty awesome, I'll go with Garibaldi for human and Kosh for alien. <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> you didn't oh, think well, I should actually, get another yeah. best alien. <laughs> Ooh, Carl, Carl, Carl. please. Yeah, Carl He's technically can... still alive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he'll go back anytime, to saying Kosh every week. <laughs> and anytime Sheridan is in an episode, Carl can use Kosh as the alien because he's there too. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, so wait, does so that we... mean that Delenn? And and wait, does that mean that they're in a polyfidelis relationship because it's Delenn, Sheridan, yep, and Tosh? <laughs> they're just <laughs> in that relationship. Well, <clears throat> <laughs> I don't know how that works, but okay. I made Will uncomfortable. That's, that's <laughs> a feat. <laughs> oh, that's definitely a feat. <laughs> hard to do that wow (laughs) so let's do ratings want to start us off new chouse oh if i if i just had to rate what i remembered from this episode it would be a 10 um (laughs) because i love everything marcus and jakar and i love the garibaldi scene and so those were really great but all the other stuff like i know it's important but at the same time Time it's just uh so long and forever taking. <laughs> um so I'm gonna have to so that part would get like a three. So I wow. have to average it out. So hang on. That's <laughs> so like that would normally give me like an eight point five, but I don't want to rate it that high because I still think there was too much of that bad stuff. So 
I'm going to give it a six out of six. 10 Pike MVs. Uh. Oh. <laughs> and that's, that's being generous to the one side, to the bad <laughs> side. Like, cause I feel like the bad parts took up two thirds of the episode. <sighs> yeah, that's what it felt like. Yeah. <laughs> yep. How about you, Heidi? Um, <laughs> well, anyone who was unfortunate enough to listen to our commentary, um, knows that, uh, we were quite disappointed with this episode. Um, if you name an episode, what happened to Mr. Garibaldi? <laughs> you need to tell us what happened to Mr. Garibaldi. And he should be in more than just one scene. Um, I like the Jakarta Marcus stuff. Uh, but I just, everything else is, uh, it's just not great. Um, I don't like all the talky talky of Florian. That was terrible to sit through. Uh, I'm sure that there was, like Nutty was able to point out, you know, some of what he was saying that maybe thinking deeper uh, is a good thing and things like that. But I just didn't care. So I think I'm going to give it uh, five out of ten Snoopy Franklins. <laughs> I'm sorry, I pictured him as Snoopy. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about Snoopy when you said that. Yeah. <clears throat> How about you, Beth? Yeah, what she said. Um, <laughs> five out of ten Kesha songs from 2010. Somebody oh, that was out. great. <laughs> How about you, Ian? Yeah, well, I've got to say, as before, I used to like Lorian. I th- used to think he was enigmatic. Then a few years ago, when I rewatched it again, and this time, less and less so. Really, all that scene could have been, all those scenes could have been converted down just into one scene and one pretty quick scene at that. Same goes for all the Delenn stuff. Just really needed one scene of that. And then you could have had this fantastic buddy cop adventure with, um, you know, Takar going around trying to find Mr. Garibaldi and then getting captured by the Satari. But still, that would have been cool. Yeah, that would have been excellent. So I'm going to have to really rate it lower than what I remember. So it's going to have to be seven out of ten Detective Narns. Yeah, I think this episode was better in my memory than it actually was because I was expecting to really like the stuff on Zaha Doom, but I was just so bored by it. <laughs> uh, the Marcus uh, Jakar stuff is definitely the highlight of the episode. The rest was just kind of, hmm. So on the strength of that, mostly, I'll give it a 7 out of 10 pieces of Borlon stuck in you. <laughs> I will say also that um, there's a scene that I thought was happening in this episode that didn't happen. And had it happened in this episode, it would have gotten much higher points. Oh. <laughs> That's all yeah, I'm going to say. Was it the actual threesome between? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, if they couldn't have um, uh, Talia and Susan's relationship be overt, I really don't think they could have a threesome. <laughs> uh, 
So, so you're saying it doesn't head. happen. Dang it. <laughs> Done. So let's head to Moe's Island and see if anybody knows how to get to Feedback Land. Oh, all right. Feedback Land moves just like the um, Cylon Resurrection Hub thingy. Or like Never. Rack's uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Magic Den. <laughs> so first we have an email from Lori and Carl. I'll read this one. They say, hello, Im- <laughs> hello, ambassadors, commanders, and visitors. Either I'm laughing at stuff in my head that you guys don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the stuff in Will's head is really funny, but none of us are privy to it. <laughs> Does it have anything to do with number one ladies detective agency? <laughs> yes, probably. <laughs> that. Um, Carl's prediction before hearing the episode title, Mr. Garibaldi will find and rescue Sheridan, but he'll actually be under the mind control of the shadows. Ooh, sounds better. <laughs> that would have been better. Our thought, Sheridan is in the metaphorical pit of hell. It is done well here, better than if there were monsters attacking. Carl is glad they dealt with Sheridan acknowledging his own death by feeling for a pulse that was not there and not experiencing hunger. I wish I didn't experience hunger right now. I just I wish hate, I didn't like, experience hunger hours. too. <laughs> is it All hell cr- or is it purgatory? Or I mean, if we're gonna make in Do you guys want to hear? Like, I think the worst thing in the world. Yes, um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> this, this lady that uh, lived down the street. She had cancer, and the radiation killed the lining of her stomach and intestines. So she had to be fed through an IV, but she was still like with it enough and wanted to eat. Like she was a a heavier set lady and she told us, you know, I like my food, Mm -hmm. but she could not eat because there was no lining in her stomach. Oh, Isn't that the most horrible thing? That's pretty like, horrible. That would yeah. be the worst. Oh my gosh, that would be the worst. Well, what is it? Uh, so often, um, you know, the the our relationship to food is so much more than sustenance. Yes, and it's for many people, it you know that that's their that's a source of pleasure. You know, and and you know, uh, people are like, oh, you got to watch your weight, you got to watch this, and it's like, yeah, but if you're if it makes you happy. And 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 taking that out of your life makes you sad. Eh, well, what, what's more important, you know, your mental health or the other thing? And what you're talking about is this is somebody who is at the end of her days, exactly. gone through horrible cancer, and she can't experience the one thing that gives her joy. Yeah, that's yeah. just that. That's like Sisyphus, you know that that is or Tantalus. That yeah, that's that's more like Tantalus because there's food everywhere and drink everywhere, but she can't have it. Uh-huh. It's it's one of the Greek like tortures. It's oh my god. It is literally yeah. one of one of the three worst things that we are told can happen to us. And yeah. I shouldn't be laughing, but it's so horrible. Oh. Oh, I feel so horrible. bad. Yeah, and uh she actually died last week, but um Aww. but it just Oh, the thought of it. I mean, like if I knew that I was dying, I would be like, okay, I will eat all, all the things. Yeah. Like that would, you know, that would be my, uh, you know, go for it and throw nutrition out the window. And <laughs> right. And so to then, oh, yeah. Anyway. Oh. Awful. 
It's Poor so lady. sad. So they go on to say, all the crouton alien wants is to go in a salad. <laughs> Carl likes the alien. <laughs> the crouton alien. Yeah, Lori. Because <laughs> his face looks like a crouton? Does it? Yeah. <laughs> kind of squarish. Bread-like. <laughs> sure. Bread-like. Jakar is in Cantina World. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Marcus and his fighting pike. Carl thinks Dr. Franklin should tell Delenn about the human way of grieving, drinking a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Though I think Minbari can't drink alcohol. Wonder if Delenn can or not. Thoughts? Oh. Mm. <laughs> Maybe she can tolerate it better than normal Minbari. Why couldn't they drink? Just because it was like... Makes them homicidal. Yeah. Ah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> Just lock her in a cell and give her some whiskey. Test it out. <laughs> well, and I don't think they enjoy being homicidal either. <laughs> you know, I feel really guilty about it. Yeah, I think yeah. I think if if it were enjoyment, there'd be more of an issue. But I think that <laughs> just having those feelings uh, pains them so much that it's enough to keep them off it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like just just eat. There you go. There's some enjoyment. <laughs> yes. Eat without ritual. It'd be it's amazing, Delenn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> food is good. <laughs> you can actually eat your food while it's still warm. <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine was fasting last week for um Yom Kippur. Yeah, Yom Kippur. <laughs> my uh my brother and sister in law, their wedding anniversary is around Yom Kippur. It was actually the breaking of the fast was um their rehearsal dinner when they got married. And um, so it landed on their anniversary and the breaking of the fast. And she posted, my sister-in-law posted on Facebook. She's like, this is sundown yet. I want to have my anniversary <laughs> dinner, please. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Who are the guys in the red jackets? We like the way Marcus wakes up the smuggler dripping water torture. Yeah, that was very cool. Sheridan says in the video playback that maybe he really can fly. And is that what he did jumping into the pit? Mm. I want to see the bad man fly. (laughs) 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 Jakar is wearing chain mail in his sleep, but it does not stop the weapon. What was he thinking? Pulling out the Rangers is a desperate move. Delenn is pulling out her ace, but she wants to go to Zaha Doom based on her anger, which is very Unmanbari like. Yeah. The human side is coming up. <laughs> Lundo is great at the political speak with not actually ever lying. Where did Jakar and Lundo leave off? We do not really know as we did not see them plan the plot about Rifa. Jakar makes a fair request and Lundo gives his word. Carl hopes that Lundo is sincere. Thoughts from the ambassadors? I think I he do is. Hope. Yeah. I mean, as much as he can do, you know. I mean, there's only so much power. Right, he doesn't have a lot of power he'll have, you know. I think this is another case, by the way, of where um, Peter Jurisic is such a fantastic actor because Londo looks freaking terrified. Mm -hmm. I mean, he looks so scared. And you can feel, or at least I do, that there's so much going on in his head as he's watching everything that Cartage is doing. It's like, that wasn't what I was like, right? I never was that bad, right? I never, th- is this where I would continue to go with Mr. Morden? 
and and you can just see how how terrified he is. Meanwhile, he's done a lot of really bad things, but he could always explain it away. I don't know. I just think Peter Jurisic is so fantastic of an actor. He does look terrified. Um, Where is Garibaldi? Carl guesses the man coming in to see him is a psychop. Good job, Carl. (laughs) Carl thinks the first one is too old to actually be alive. How do we know he is not lying? We don't. (laughs) And uh, the way he looked at the end of the episode, you know. Look a little suspicious is all I'm saying. I don't know. I don't know if there's any explanation for this or not later on, but if he's the first species, like were they all born? I guess the Vorlons and the I don't know, were they all born to live a long time or did they fall? But since he's the first one, was he created that way? Or did he come into being living that way? The eternal question. Of where did God come from, if you believe in God? Well, he even has that in in his ramblings. You know, it's like the the universe started with a word, but what came first, the word or the thought? If the universe started with a word, you can't have a word without thought. So it didn't actually start with a word. Mm. And now we get into the wibbly-wobbly timey-wimey. Quote, Jakar with Pike. I like this. Lori's rating, 7 out of 10 Star Wars lookalike cantinas. Mm-hmm. Alien, Londo, Human, Marcus. Call's ratings, ship, Mr. Morton and Mr. Garibaldi. <laughs> Their shipper name would be Maribaldi. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maribaldi. <laughs> uh, plot, Londo and Jakar Alliance. Species, crouton. The crouton species, okay. Death, Sheridan. Favorite recreational activity, cliff jumping. Gripe, starting with voiceovers the last two episodes. Huh. Metaphor, <laughs> metaphor flying. Dramatic moment, disembowel talk. Mm. Comedic moment, Delenn's motivational speech. <laughs> 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 Camera work, the Garibaldi scene. Yeah. What would Sinclair do? Have fun in your dreams. <laughs> yeah. Score negative one building action. Building action? Mm. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Uh, next, we have an email from Victor. Uh, I'll take that one. Is it in what? here? Where is it? Yeah, it's right after Lori and Carl. Oh, I must be in the wrong thing. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Whatever happened to Mr. Garibaldi? Well, he's alive, but very angry, and he's being held prisoner somewhere. As reveals go, this one is not very satisfying. <laughs> we also learn that the strange alien who's speaking gibberish to Sheridan is named Florian, and he is older than dirt. <laughs> he is the first one, and if he had a birthday cake, the candles would probably burn down an entire planet. <laughs> Maybe the newbies will find him interesting. I can't remember how I felt on my first viewing, but now I just want him to hurry up and get to the point. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> do too. Meanwhile, Citizen Jakar has a price on his scaly head and is only safe under the protection of Babylon 5. But it's been at least a few weeks since Jakar has done something that's both very brave and very stupid, so he's overdue. So off he goes, and then after Marcus saves his neck, Jakar sends him away too. 
Most likely, he is worth more alive than dead to the Centauri, so he ends up being paraded through the royal court in chains. Here is where the episode really shines. The Londo Jakar dynamic in at Babylon 5 is... Okay, let me start that sentence again. The Londo Jakar dynamic is Babylon 5 at its best, and we can see how much those characters have grown in the three years and how their relationship has changed. Remember when these two guys were arguing with each other until they missed their elevator? Look at them now, working together to try to save the galaxy. But then there is another tiresome scene with Florian, who recognizes that Sheridan has part of a Vorlon inside him. But when Sheridan admits that it's Kosh, Florian says, Is that his name? Which leaves me wondering, what else could its name be? Aren't they all named Kosh? (laughs) (laughs) It's very hard to rate this episode because there is so much good and so much bad. Most of the episode was tedious, but so much was revealed. And there was that great scene between Londo and Jakar. Overall, I will take the high road, high road and give this one eight bad cases of Pykel and B. Regards, Victor. Thanks, Victor. Thanks. <laughs> Guys, we got a voicemail. Uh, voicemail. I'm going to play it here if I can pull it up. From Lance, a new feedbacker. Cool. Voicemail. Okay, let's hope you can hear it. Allow me to introduce myself. I am the Atomic Hamster, evil supervillain of the podcasting universe. I am a longtime listener, first-time caller, and have been a Babylon 5 fan since it first premiered in 1994. Wow. And now for a few thoughts on the episode, where is Mr. Garibaldi? As I'm sure you've talked about during your episode discussion, Sheridan has found the man in between. And he was in between Tick and Talk. Mm. I really like the interaction between Jakar and Marcus, as Space Jesus is one of my all-time favorite Babylon 5 characters. And why, oh why, do they keep calling Cartagia mad? He seems no madder than anybody else I know. He seems just like a friend I'd like to sit down and have a beer with. My favorite quote of the episode is when Marcus tells Jakar that he has Pykel Envy. And my rating for this episode is 7 out of 10 Space Jesuses. My Human of the Week is Marcus, and my Alien of the Week is Cartagia. Who else? <laughs> so until next time, cry squeak and let's flip the hamsters of war. Thank, Thank you, Lance. You. That's, uh... <laughs> Yeah, the subject says you have hamster mail. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who so is Space evil... Jesus? Is that Marcus? Marcus, oh, yeah. Okay. It's Aragon. He's <laughs> Space Aragon. So we have an evil hamster nice. listening. I don't know if I was better off not knowing that before. <laughs> <laughs> but but let liked... loose the, the hamsters of war. I mean, that was great. Because <laughs> I like hamsters. I don't want to have to fear them. <laughs> My first pet was a hamster. His name was Skippy. I had a rat named Tiffany. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that lab, uh, Mark from Warwickshire sent us two feedbacks last week, and I was saving the second one for this week, and now I can't find it. <gasps> How dare you? <laughs> well, you'll look, and I'll read Anka's. Okay. Okay, this is from Anka. Hi, down below, team. Oh, oh, it doesn't look good for our heroes. Sheridan is dead, or better, he is in between the world of the living and the dead. And he and Lor- and he has Lorian with him, who we find out is older than old, and he is giving Sheridan the motivational pep talk. 
after he tells him that he is, in fact, kind of dead. <laughs> Meanwhile, Delenn is starving herself, well, to death, but with some help of Dr. Franklin, gets to listen to a motivational pep talk from Sheridan, who recorded some wise words a few months ago, and gets back to herself, or at least to one last crazy fight, going to Zaha Doom herself now. On a side note about Sheridan's recording, I can't say it too often, I like Sheridan's dad quite a lot. <laughs> Only from what we are hearing in this and earlier episodes, he seems to be the coolest dad. Yeah. Jakar, of course, goes off station and finds himself right away in the hands of the Centauri. What did he say? He is the last of the Kari. He can take care of himself? Doesn't look like it. Nope. <laughs> Londo is in another crazy place, where one basically has to sleep with a knife under the pillow, realizing more and more how crazy Cartagia is. I like the scene when they bring in Jakar, or later when he goes to visit Jakar. The things he tells Jakar are just horrible. That is how prisoners are treated on Centauri Prime? But finally, Londo agrees to another deal with Jakar, and this time it means he is hopefully setting Narn free soon. Narnia, sorry. It's a great mm -hmm. scene between the two of them, and very well played. I have all my quotes only from this one scene. One more thing that was quite cool about this episode is that while we don't really find out whatever happened to Mr. Garibaldi, at least we find out he is still alive. Well, he was also in the credits, Anka, come on. <laughs> well, he is not much better off than Jakar, it seems, but someone will hopefully find him soon. But where is he being held, and for crying out loud, whatever happened to him? Good questions. Favorite quote. Quote, excuse me. Londo. If you wished to die, you could have simply told me. I would have attended to it quickly, with at least a measure of dignity. Jakar. Set my world free. This was so incredibly well delivered. Not sure about the exact wording right now, but something like, somehow like this. Londo. You are not in a position to bargain. Jakar. Neither are you. Favorite human. Sheridan between Tick and Talk. Favorite alien. I guess you will all choose Jakar, so I'll give it to Londo. Because he agreed to setting <laughs> Narnia free. Come on, guys. This needs to count for something. Yeah, it counts. It counts. Yeah. I give this episode 8 out of 10 bars on some random planet that looked very much like a bar on down below. <laughs> Cheers, Anka. <laughs> Thanks, Anka. Thanks. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> oh, my throat. Um, yeah, I found Mark's email, and I will read it. This is feedback for this episode. A lot happened in this episode with Londo on Centauri Prime and Jakar, and Marcus looking for Garibaldi. But for me, the whole episode is about Lorian. When we first see him, it is ambiguous as to whether he is a good guy or not. He is, after all, living on Zaha Doom. Some clues, the clues come drip by drip, and you get the feeling there is a lot more to Lorian than before his big reveal. Particularly, his key is his use of both yeah. questions. Shadows, what do you want? And the Borlons, who are you? One of his most interesting lines to Sheridan was about him being the first to make it this far. Who were the other people who tried? Oh, yeah, when he said that, I was expecting to, like, look down and see, like, skeletons <laughs> or other people that tried, and even though it is in a dream, but, you know. Have others known he was down there and failed to get past the shadows? I remember at the time thinking it's silly for him to be le uh, living underneath the shadows, but slowly his explanation made more and more sense. The shadows revere him. They think they are protecting and honoring him. They are blessed by being so close to him. It also explains why the Vorlons haven't attacked Zahadim directly themselves. They do mm, not interesting. wish to risk endangering Lorien. I like the interplay between Sheridan and Lorien. 
Sorry. Everybody <laughs> <laughs> between Sheridan and Lorianne, and the idea of being between be right life back. and death, tick and talk. I did, however, feel the living for Delenn a bit much. I would have preferred his reason for living to be to lead the war effort and do what others could not. Although it does tie in with the Inquisitor's estimation of Sheridan in which he and Delenn were assessed and passed because they were willing to die for each other and not glory now. Now Sheridan is challenged by the counterpoint. Have you got anything to live for? Incidentally, Lorianne and the Inquisitor are both played by Wayne Alexander. This was very much a setup episode, putting people in the places they need to be for the rest of the season. We now have some idea of where all the key players are for what is to come. All the best, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Um, hmm. Let's see. Rian Yarsto? <laughs> yeah, next is Yarsto. Okay, I'll take that one. Greetings down below, casters. Here's my feedback for whatever happened to Mr. Garibaldi. This is another packed episode at the start of Season 4. In fact, there's enough that I've sorted my notes by location. On Babylon 5. Oh, and thank you for this, Yarsto. It makes my um, ISN report a little easier. <laughs> <laughs> um, Delenn is still fasting and possibly starving herself to death. Lanier asks Franklin for help because he's worried about Delenn. And as it's apparently station-wide Ask Franklin to Help Week... Ivanova has asked Franklin to help deal with Sheridan's effects. He finds a personal log from Sheridan and shows it to Delenn, inspiring her to take up the fight again and call together the White Star Fleet to attack Zaha Doom a week from now. Z minus seven days, anyone? On an unknown colony world, Jakar is getting closer to finding information about Garibaldi's Star Fury. He's about to get in trouble when Marcus shows up to help. In the end, Jakar orders Marcus to leave because he can take care of himself, only to be captured by the Centauri moments later. On Centauri Prime, Mondo is still nervous, taking a knife to the door when he gets woken up at night. Cartesia has had Jakar brought there as a present for Londo. Londo makes a deal with Jakar. If Jakar will help him remove Cartesia, Londo will free Narn. In a mysterious room. Garibaldi paces, beats the wall, and generally misbehaves while a voice over the speaker tells him not to. Finally, he's put to sleep and someone dressed in black, wearing black gloves and a familiar badge, walks in. Familiar to everyone but us. <laughs> On Zaha Doom, the mysterious alien we saw last time reveals his name is Lorian. He claims Sheridan is caught between moments between life and death. He also claims to be the first one and may have met Kosh a long time ago go. In the end, Sheridan gives in to the next moments, and in that final moment, remembers Deline. Quotes. Uh, Lorian, you have nothing to say about being dead? Sheridan, it's a trick. Um, this one is the whole thing that we've done part of, I think, with Shakar and Marcus. Um, about the universe not making sense and Pike envy, so I'm not going to do that one. Okay. Uh, Marcus, wakey, wakey, I'm here with your weather report for the evening. Mm -hmm. I see rain, lightning, thunder, and your head nailed to that wall over there. Or if you don't tell me what my friend and I need to know. Any questions? Love it. Nice. <laughs> um, Cartagia. Well, Malari, have you nothing to say? Londo. Yes, your majesty. Thank you. Thank you for this gift. Cartagia. Mm -hmm. And you, have you anything to say? Jakar, do you by any chance happen to know where Mr. Garibaldi might be? <laughs> <laughs> if 
favorite characters. The two who drive the storyline the episode was named after, even if they don't find the answer to their question. Human, Marcus, Alien, Jakar. Honorable mention, Londo, for a great performance showing the complexity of his love-hate relationship with Jakar. Episode rating, 8 out of 9 days spent between two moments. Yarsto from the Netherlands. Thanks, Yarsto. Uh, Who's up next? Melanie? Hi, Adelie from Krakow. Okay. Hi, down below. I loved hearing how Heidi and Beth reacted to this title. (laughs) (laughs) And then we don't really find out what happened to Mr. Garibaldi. Well, he's alive and he's being kept somewhere. And his vital signs indicate that he knows what happened. At least it didn't look like a Looney Tunes convention. (laughs) (laughs) Jakar goes looking for Garibaldi and gets captured by the Centauri. The first time I watched this, I had forgotten how the Centauri guards looked, so I didn't realize who had captured him until Cartagia had him brought to Londo. And then Londo promises to free Narnia in exchange for Jakar's help. I'd love to hear some predictions on how this will play out. Very, very coolly, I think. <laughs> <laughs> on Zahadoom, we find out that Sheridan has spent nine days between seconds. Anna was so apparently... <laughs> Yeah. Anna was apparently telling the truth when she said that time doesn't work the same way there. But before I heard the commentary for Zaha Doom, I assumed that it was Lorian and not Justin who was the man in between. Now I'm just going to go on assuming it. It makes sense since Kosh knew that Lorian was at Zaha Doom. Yeah, and Justin sucks. So. (laughs) (laughs) On Babylon 5, Delenn is still fasting until Franklin gives her an entry from Sheridan's log. Wow, we're eight. <laughs> yep. I just say that I'm eternally young, hearted, youthful. Yeah. I've been trying to figure out from, <clears throat> excuse me. I've been trying to figure out from when in the show that entry was. They broke away from Earth in early April, got the new uniforms and ceremonies of light and dark, and then the next episode took place in July. In ceremonies, someone said that everyone would be busy with their own ceremonies for a while, so it was probably shortly after Severed Dreams. Sheridan's entry was from May 14th, and he didn't have his Army of Light uniform. And when that's the only nitpick I can find, the show is well thought out. Thank you. Well, you put a lot more thought into that than yeah. I did. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Delenn then summons the entire White Star fleet to, to attack Zaha Doom in one week. The speech she gives the Rangers is my fourth mm-hmm. favorite Delenn speech in the show. <laughs> I want to see that list. But like most of her other speeches, it's a bit too long to put in the quotes. Human of the week, Sheridan. Alien, Jakar. Quotes. Lorian. Who are you? It's a dangerous question, isn't it? There's never a good answer to it. I suppose that's the point. Um, then there's Jakar's quote about every time the universe doesn't make sense. We we said that right, or did we not? Yeah. Okay. Um, Cartagia and and Londo, um, Malara, you've kept us waiting. I should be very upset with you, Uh, Londo. My apologies. Before I entered Your Majesty's presence, I had to be properly attired, or it would be disrespectful. Cartagia, I see. Then I should not have you killed for it, Londo. Your Majesty may act as he believes is correct, but I was motivated only by the respect to your position. I had your majesty's spirit in my heart, and so by killing me, you would also be killing a part of yourself. And as a loyal Centauri, I would strongly object to that. Um, 
the Jakar, the Katresia Jakar thing where he asks about Garibaldi. Um, Jakar and Londo. Jakar, you didn't ask the price for my cooperation. Londo, you are not exactly in a position to bargain, Jakar. Jakar, neither are you. You want my help for the sake of your people. I will give it for the sake of my own. If I remove the monster from your throne, you will remove the monster from my world. Leave Narn. Yeah. Set my world free. Promise me this, and I will do as you ask. Londo, you have my word. Best regards, Melanie, the Krakovian beer fan. Thank Thanks, you, Melanie. Melanie. I can't get over the captain's log. <laughs> <laughs> Our next email is from... Oh, I forgot how to pronounce it already. Sorry. Eric. Eric. Elric. I think he said we call him Elric. Uh, he says, hello, below downcasters. Mm. <laughs> Here's my feedback for the not so Garibaldi heavy episode. Whatever happened to Mr. Garibaldi, which may not be so surprising after all, as the title somehow indicates that he is missing. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, but you ask a question in a title, you expect to get the answer in the episode. <laughs> Word. In this episode, we get to know a bit more about what is going on with Sheridan. He is dead, but he's still in the credits. And he's not really building a campfire, but trying to find a purpose as he is falling down the great chasm at Zahadum, stuck between Tick and Top. Oh, for all of those <laughs> who rightfully didn't listen to our commentary, um, right? it clicked in my head the whole prophecy about uh, Londo sparing the person who is not dead or whatever. Yeah. yeah. That was in the uh, Lurker's Guide. Is this who he's talking about? or Because we know he else? spares him, you know. Yeah. In the future, so. 17 years, yeah. Uh, and that stupid song's in my head. Now, I didn't think about it once while I was watching the episode, but now. <laughs> the Kesha song from 2010? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The scenes with him and Lorian are very interesting, also on a philosophical level. I especially like the ending montage where he falls while Dylan catches him, and Christopher Franke's music is rising gloriously before ending on yet another question mark. Mm. Also, Jakar and Marcus fight it out at a nightclub on some strange planet. I love the Jakar and Marcus scenes in this episode. They should hang out more. And on Centauri Prime, Centauri Prime... <laughs> Londo continues to scheme against Cartagia. The scene with Jakar in the prison cell is another fantastic thing about this episode. One thing, one detail I have always liked is how the light flows into the room as the door opens while Londo leaves. The light hit Jakar's face, and it's like he's hit by something big. The realization that he may have, that he may now have saved his home world. Garibaldi, the title character of the episode, is barely featured. But his interrogation scene inside the small chamber is very powerful. Notice the very hectic way this scene is edited. Kind of unusual for B5 up until this point. There's so much stuff, so, so much good stuff going on here. I want to rate this 10 out of 10. But there are a couple of Delane and Ser Sheridan scenes which bring it down a little bit. I find the message from Sheridan a bit on the cheesy side, even though I am a Delane and Sheridan shipper. But the standard is set so incredibly high with everything that is going on right now, so I have to be a bit strict and rated nine and a half out of ten Narn toothbrushes. That's strict. Yeah. <laughs> Human character, aka Jakar's finger. <laughs> what are we talking about? Oh, that was the Sarah Connor Chronicles. We were talking about toothbrushes. Apparently, P 
people like to put toothbrushes in strange places we found out. <laughs> okay. Um, human character of the week, Marcus for being awesome in this in his scenes with Jakar. Alien of the week, Jakar for being awesome in his scenes with Marcus. And for striking a deal with Londo to save his home world and for his huge dedication to finding Mr. Garibaldi. Honorable mention to Londo for having a heart. Wait, Centauri have two hearts, actually. Second honorary mention to Mr. Ver- Minister Verini for being Mr. Verinity and for waving his hands in a very particular way while talking. <laughs> Him and Beer together again. Quotes, Jakar and Marcus. Everything they say to each other, basically, but I'll just quote Marcus lending his pipe to Marcus. To open it, you Chris, <laughs> Jakar, I like it. OM, that Marcus line about Pykele Envy classic. The whole scene between Londo and Jakar in the prison cell and the whole ending dialogue between Sheridan and Lorien. I'll just pick one line. I cannot create life, but I can breathe upon the remaining embers. Until next time, live long and prosper. Oops, wrong universe. Stroke off. <laughs> oh, Holy- stroke off to you too, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Unless we have a comment from Board 99. Is it my turn? Yes. Okay. Very quick thought on whatever happened to Mr. Garibaldi about 20 minutes before you're due to record. <laughs> the ambassadors have probably noticed that things are getting more serialized. When I rewatched this about a year and a half ago, I noticed that this part of the series seemed more like TV of the present moment. But it makes it hard to comment on individual episodes as distinct from story threads. So, to confine this to my favorite thread, Londo and Jakar, remember when King Arthur made Jakar a knight of the round table? It's now that he has this classic Arthurian quest, compare also Grail, which, as can happen in Arthurian romance, leads him to be captured by an enemy. In Arthurian romance, it's usually a woman who helps the knight out of the situation. But here, it's Londo. <laughs> hmm. We have another scene in which it's just Peter Jurassic and Andreas Katsoulos acting off one another in a confined space, and it's another fantastic scene, which contrasts excellently with the elevator scene from season three, because while the previous scene showed Londo and Jakar at their worst, this shows both of them at their best. I particularly like Londo's acknowledgement that this moment doesn't mean to him what he would have expected it to mean, and what Cartagia assumes that it means. But both actors and the writing for both are generally fabulous. They are. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Ward. Everybody, everybody did like this episode. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't us or me and Heidi, I guess. <laughs> and maybe we'll have more appreciation for it uh, later on. Yeah. Thanks for all the great feedback, yes, everybody. As usual, we have the best yeah. listeners. Yes. I like that we're still getting new people sending in feedback. Mm-hmm. After all this time, this is episode 96, you guys. We've mm. been doing this for a while. <laughs> wow. Let's do predictions for the next episode. The next episode is called... Gosh, I've forgotten. It's called <laughs> The Summoning. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Summoning. Yeah, the another summoning. title. Hmm. Well, it'll probably be the next day, or maybe <laughs> two days. So I doubt we're attacking Zahajum yet. Um, what could we summon? Um, maybe the 
Lorien is summoning the Vorlons and the Shadows to council. And he's like, children. <laughs> Listen up. <laughs> uh, the, I don't think it's a League of Non-Aligned Worlds being summoned. Maybe it's a council of the Psy Rebels. Ooh, I don't know what the they are. Psy Rebels. I like it. <laughs> I don't I know what like we're calling maybe... them. I wonder why they're um, capturing Mr. Garibaldi. Like, did something happen with him aboard the Shadows? Like, what do they want him for? You know? Like, why not just yeah. kill him? Mm-hmm. Did, did he present some heretofore unknown uh, interaction with the Shadow that they're trying to figure out? Uh, are they trying to do some experiments on him? It's unclear as to what's yeah. happening. And I don't even know... Like, I don't think that they could even, like, think that they could use him for some kind of ransom or anything like that. Because nobody seems to really be caring that he's gone, so... Right, and Jakar's, um, yeah, Jakar's a captive himself now, so... Yeah. Well, unless Clarence is secretly a billionaire. Well, yes, that's Clarence. True. That's true. Adventures of Clarence. Um, he owns his own planet somewhere, and they want it. <laughs> <laughs> Summoning. Um, well, maybe it's, like, a ghost thing. There's a Ouija board involved. (laughs) They're going to summon the spirit of Kosh, and that's how they'll find Sheridan. Exactly. (laughs) Speaking of, prediction for that, uh, of course this is totally coming from Horcruxes, but since a piece of Kosh is still alive, they can bring him back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I hope he, if he does come back, he replaces the other dude. Yes, please. Please take out new Kosh. Yeah. There's a fight. Encounter suit fight. <laughs> yeah. Very slow moving yeah. fight. <laughs> Except maybe they'd have to bring him back into a, a different form or something. Mm, I don't know. Interesting. Like into a body of uh, yeah. Kodoth. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, <laughs> when does Lanier get a better role? Yeah, Lanier is pretty much just the lens cook at this point. Bitch. He's the lens bitch, let's be honest. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's so, he's so mild-mannered, and right now, he's just, everything he says is so sweet, and nice, and I yeah, but you, angry Lanier again. But you know at night, he's out riding his motorcycle. <laughs> True. <laughs> I know his old buddy, his old motorcycle buddy is is gone and Yeah, see, he should have been in on the on the search. Maybe. Yeah, maybe he was bankrolling Jakar. Um Yeah, and I don't know what to really I mean, we kinda see that, you know, Jakar and Londo become partners and you know, in the future, so I guess he probably won't get a resolution to that for a little bit. Yeah, and I'm sure that his his eye is going to happen in this torturing. You're right, exactly. But we can't keep we can't keep Jakar locked up there for very long. I mean, that just wouldn't be good television. So, which is interesting because then he's of course back there when we see him in the future. So, right, that's true. Ooh. So is he there then the entire time? Like, does he stay there and they take down the? Emperor, Londo, and Veer, and Jakar. I like this. Because that's <laughs> like, far in like the, the future. the sounds of this. Yeah. Of the three of them working together to kill the Emperor. It does sound fun. 
Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, that's all for me. Yeah, I think that's all I have. All right. So, Nutty. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us again. It's always great to have you with us. Yeah, sorry Thank about you. the uh, the time mix-up. I'm notorious for that. <laughs> no worries. Uh, I'm always screwing up time zones. Yeah, it's weird. Well, the problem is I'm not used to being in Eastern time zone yet, even though I've been here for a year. So I keep adding an extra hour. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I added four hours instead of three hours like I was supposed to. Um, yeah, that's the Atlantic time zone, yep. isn't it? Because that's where Matt and Mel yep. live. I yeah. used to live uh, like an hour from them. Uh, and I lived there for six years, seven years, something like that. <laughs> so I it's it's hard to shake. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but, uh, yes, thank you for, for having me on. Um, and, uh, this is not the episode I thought I was going to be on <laughs> or rather <laughs> parts of it were, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, oh, I remember, you know, looking at the titles, like, I remember that one. That's the cool, uh, cool stuff with Jakar. Okay. I'll do that. And, and I was like, oh, shoot. I should have put my second <laughs> choice as my first choice. <laughs> well, we're glad okay. to have you on this one anyway. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. I'm actually surprised Heidi's on. I thought she'd be at uh, Comic-Con already. Oh, I was at Comic-Con. It's over. Oh, it's over? I thought it was on Sunday also. No. Oh, okay. Um, but yes, thank you for having me. <laughs> Anytime. Okay. Yeah, and says he missed feedback, but he loves how Jakar, knowing the risk, goes looking for Garibaldi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jakar's just so awesome. He is. All right, that is... All we have for this week, folks, we'll be back next time with the summoning. But until then, goodbye. Goodbye. Stroke <laughs> off. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, whatever, Grab my glasses, I'm out the door. I'm going to hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Because when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking pedicure on our toes, toes. Trying on all our clothes, clothes. Boys blowing up our phones, phones. Drop top and playing our favorite CDs. Pulling up to the parties. Trying to get a little bit tipsy. Don't stop making pop DJ blowing my speakers up tonight. I'm a fight till we see the sunlight. Jagger. I'm talking about everybody getting crunk, crunk. Boys try to touch my junk, junk. Gonna smack him if he getting too drunk, drunk. Nah, nah, we go until they kick us out. Of the police shut us down, down. Police shut us down, down. Police shut us down. Don't stop making pop, DJ blowing my speakers up tonight. I'ma fight till we see the
rock in. For us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio, also downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast.